0: Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger of Story Point Church, located in the heart of Oak Breeze, Florida. And now, here's Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger for this week's message Go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, Gospel of Matthew. That's the New Testament. As soon as you uh, get into the New Testament, Matthew chapter 13. I don't know if you've been noticing, if you've seen it, but there's this thing they're calling the uh, mega millions. Have you noticed that? One point three billion dollars. That's right. But billion dollars now I did a little research, and it appears as though you now the statistics are you know they, they got numbers are all over the map, but it appears as though 50% of the U.S. population buys a lottery ticket across the country. 50%. But your odds of winning the Mega Million is about 300 million to one, something like that. It's actually a little bit worse odds than that. So basically, it's statistically impossible. Or it's just at least statistically improbable to win the money. But we all say this, or we've all heard this being said. Somebody's got to win it, so it might as well be me. That's right. And uh, apparently, somebody did win it. Somebody in Illinois. Their life is about to change forever. And the truth is, uh, you know, this whole idea of winning big is not anything new. I mean, it, it goes back... For ages and ages and ages, we built entire cities over this idea of winning it big. In fact, what you see here is something that I have never played before, but it kind of looks cool, right? Uh, This would be a poker table. And poker is played all over the country, really all over the world. And people say it's a game of skill. And that is true. There is skill involved with it. But at the end of the day, it's a game of chance why because your skill is involved with what you do with your face and how you talk and how you how you lead people to believe you have something but it's a game of chance ultimately because you don't own the deck of cards see the cards what what's dealt with you uh, what's dealt around the table is really what determines uh, i guess ultimately who wins you can have the best uh, uh, face in the world, but if you have a bad hand and somebody else is better at calling your bluff, you're going to lose, right? In the Bible, there is a story that Jesus talked. Actually, a parable. Two parables, and it's in chapter 13, verse 44, 45, and 46. And it deals with this concept that we find so often on a poker table. In a po- on a poker table... When you feel like you have the best hand, or when you feel like you have the upper hand emotionally or mentally with the people in the table, if you've been playing them. By the way, like I said, I've never played poker. I I, I don't have any real interest in it, but as I've watched TV and movies, right? There's this thing called the all-in. You ever seen it? It's when you go... Like this. You take and you push all of your chips to the middle. Now chip is a representation of money, right? You go cash them in later. So if you go all in, you feel like you have the best hand. And so you push it all in. And that's saying this is do or die. There's Everything is riding on this one next move. Jesus talked about being all in. Matthew chapter 13, excuse me. Yeah, Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field that a man found and then reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like the page that won't turn. New Bibles always stick for a while. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. And when he found one priceless pearl, he went, sold everything that he had, and he bought it, and he went all in. These two parables that Jesus speaks of to describe the kingdom or the value of the kingdom of God. The first parable is a man who found treasure buried in a field. Now, my, obviously, my obvious first question is this. Why was he in the field? I mean, what was he doing in the field? It could have been he was just taking a shortcut from his place to the McDonald's. I don't know. But he was in the field, and he could have tripped and hit a rock and said, man, what's that? And he looked, and there was something sticking out. I think it was different, though. Now, this is not the point of the parable. I'm just wondering because I'm a curious kind of a guy. I think he was in the field looking for treasure. I think he was searching for treasure. Here's why I think that. Because Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things that we search for will be added unto you, right? Jesus said, search for me with all of your heart. And when you do so, you'll find me. So all over scripture, we have this idea of the kingdom of God being searched for by you and by me. So I think that the backbone behind this parable is that the man was searching for treasure and he found it. But here's what he did. He found the treasure and he, you ever found money in the grocery store? You ever find a 20, right? You're walking down. So what's the first thing you do? Right, you're like you're like I'm about to be twenty dollars richer, right? You're hoping and praying nobody's around so you won't have to do the right thing. I mean, that's 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 what goes through my mind. I'm thinking the Lord blessed me with. So you're like, right? And then you kind of kind of ease on down. Obviously, if there's somebody standing there, is this your twenty? But I mean, it's this idea of you found this treasure, so you rebury it, and then he goes and he sells everything he has. He sells his motorcycle, he sells his boat, he sells all of his weapons and all of his toys and he even sells his kids maybe, I don't know, he sells everything he has and he goes back, he doesn't really sell his kids, he doesn't have any kids, I'm just reading into the story. He, but if he did have kids, he probably would. He goes and he buys this field, why? Because Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is a treasure like no other. The next part, next next parable, man was looking for precious jewels, pearls. He goes into the pawn shop down on Fifth Avenue, and he sees this pearl, and he says, that is the one. So he goes back, he sells everything he has, and he goes and he buys the pearl. Again, the point of the parable is this. There is something worth everything, and that something is the kingdom of God but let me show you what most people do with the kingdom of God. most people play it safe um, tell you what I mean. most people play it safe because after all you know you're not sure what's going to happen, right? but Jesus said, sell everything go by the field and go all in what would it take for you to go all in? Well, What would have to happen in your life? What would you have to see? What would you have to believe? Where where would you have to experience in order for you to finally decide, you know what, Jesus, you are worth it all. There's three stories in the Bible of three different people who went all in. The first one, We find in Luke chapter 21. Will you open your Bibles to Luke chapter 21? That's going to be to the right of where you just were. In Luke chapter 21, the Bible tells us that Jesus was teaching the the scribes and the Pharisees. He was actually talking about the condition of their own heart and how they wanted to be seen by everybody and how they wanted to make themselves look big and, and successful. And in chapter 21, verse 1, the Bible says that Jesus looked up and he saw the rich dropping their offerings into the temple treasury. So if you picture it, he was, he was there in the temple and, and, and the, the, the treasury was 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 where he could see it, and he saw the scribes and the Pharisees kind of walk in, and they would walk in like this. <coughs> Oh, let's see. Well, let me see here. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's only a 50. I don't know. How about how about a hundred? Yeah. I mean they had this, they had this big show about it. They were dropping it in. Why? Because they wanted people to see how rich they were. Can somebody grab me my hundred dollar bill, please? <laughs> Remember that story about the here, I'll just do it. Because I don't trust you. I know the moment we close our eyes and bow our heads, somebody's going to snag that thing. And I honestly don't even know I have that in my wallet. That just happened to be God thing, I guess. So they were, they were making the show of it. And then the very next thing Jesus sees is this widow. Now, we picture the widow as this, this old, you know, decrepit old woman. It, it may not have been, but just for the sake of the picture, the next thing we have is this, this woman. And you would, hear, you would hear the clink because they weren't bills. They were pennies. She dropped two pennies in. Now, I'm imagining that the Pharisees and the, the rich people back here are kind of going, what does she think she's going to do? Buy a cracker? What are we going to do with two pennies? Can you get a load of this woman? But Jesus saw it. And here's what he said. Verse 2. He also saw a poor woman dropping in two tiny coins. Truly I tell you. This poor widow has put more than all of them. For all of these people have put in gifts out of their surplus. But she, out of her poverty, has put in all she had to live on. She was all in. The question is why? What would cause the widow to be all in? And what would cause the religious people to not be all in? I think it boils down to belief. I think it boils down to this question. What do you believe about who God is? Because after all, if you believed that God was God, you'd be all in. If you believed that he really was who he said he is, you'd be all in. So would I. Why? Because who he says he in is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning, he's the end. He's the first, he's the last. He's the creator, he's the sustainer, he gives life, he's everything. He's the judge. If we really believe that we would truly be all in, but instead we just kind of want to hedge our bets a little bit. Not the widow. Maybe, perhaps just maybe, the widow had this thought. Maybe she thought to herself, you know, I've got nothing to lose. Because the promises of God are better than my current reality. In fact, doesn't that kind of tie into where Jesus said it's hard for the rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven? Because, you know, being all in when you're poor is one thing. Being all in when you're rich is another thing. I actually think it's easier when you're all in, if you're poor, to be all in. Because you don't have to give up much. Because you're giving up just just a little, Right? when you've got all this stuff, it's hard because we're thinking about comfort. We're thinking about uh, um, what, what opportunity. We're thinking about all these things. And yet Jesus' command wasn't to just the poor. Jesus' command was to you and to me. All in. Here's another story. In Luke chapter 7. Go back to the left just a little bit. <laughs> you like my directions there? It's like we're driving a car. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 and following let me let me just kind of set this up so one of the pharisees invited jesus to eat with him now this probably was what was a curiosity lunch but it was probably also a lunch to be uh uh, maybe to find some fault I, i really think that his desire was to find a reason not to follow jesus I just, I just think that was probably, given what I'm seeing here, I think that was the case. He went into it with a bad attitude, much like maybe somebody came in here today. You might have come in here today, not expecting anything. You might have come in, you might have come in here today with a predisposed idea that God wasn't going to do anything. Can I tell you that I am firmly? I firmly believe that the quality of a sermon is directly proportional to the quality of the soil of your heart. That is, I'm more convinced of that now than I ever have been before. I've, I've I've heard bad sermons where God has rocked my face off because my heart has been ready to receive what God wanted. And I've heard awesome sermons that did nothing in my life because I, my heart was hard as stone. The condition of the soil of your heart, what are you wanting from God, will determine what you get from God today. This, I think that was the condition of the Pharisee. But nevertheless, the Pharisee invited Jesus and some other uh, people into the house. And they were sitting down having a nice lunch. Probably wasn't barbecue. I'm just thinking, right? They were, they were having, <laughs> you get that, right? Sorry. They're having this nice lunch. They were reclining at the table. And they hear this noise at the door. Now, everybody that was invited was already there, and yet some stranger was walking into the house. And when they turned to look, they would have certainly gasped because she was an unwelcome guest. The Bible tells us that this woman, verse 37, in the town who was a sinner found out that Jesus was reclining at the table of the Pharisees' house, and so she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with her hair, kissing them and anointing them with the perfume. So this woman completely humiliated herself. All the men were sitting around the table having their nice lunch, reclining, talking, maybe laughing and joking a little bit. And in through this opening of the the house, this woman walks in. She would not have walked in proudly. She wouldn't have walked in boldly. She would have walked in humiliated because she didn't belong there and she knew it. But what she also knew was that the one who was sitting at the table was worthy of her tears and of her hair and of her love. She walked in and she fell behind him and she began to weep onto his tears. I want you to picture this. I want you to picture this. This woman falls to the ground, begins to perhaps hysterically weep and the tears are flooding like a river onto his feet. His feet were dirty. Why? Because in these days they didn't wear closed-toed shoes. They wore sandals so he would have had dusty, nasty feet. Not only did she cry, but the, this mud began to form. And we know that they were dirty because Jesus said, You didn't wash my feet when I came in. And so she was crying and she opened the perfume and she poured it on him. And then she took her own hair and she let it down and began to rub his feet. And as she rubbed his feet, she began to kiss them. Probably handshaking. shaking. Probably everything in her was battling, battling the humiliation of this moment. And yet she was all in. Her love for Jesus superseded her love for looking good. Because after all, she didn't look good anyhow, she had a reputation. What I'm saying to you is this. To be all in is to be all in. It's to be all in with your money. It's to be all in with what you do. It's to be all in with what you love. It's to be all in with your worship. What does all in look like? I can't describe the individual things in your life that it looks like. But I can say that all in means all in. It means no regrets and no reserves, nothing held back. There's there's nothing kept just in case a a rainy day comes. To be all in is to be all in. It's do or die. This one next step will determine if I lose everything or if I win it big. There's another story. John chapter 6. This one's interesting because, again, my, my curious brain likes to ask questions that aren't answered. Not, and, again, I, I know that that can sometimes get me in trouble. But here's the story. Jesus is teaching the crowd um, there in Galilee. And, and, and this huge crowd was there because he was doing miraculous signs and he was healing the sick. He was up on a mountain and, and there were people there that were listening to him teach. They were in awe at the words that he said. And then the disciples said, hey, Jesus, the sun's going down, you know, they're getting hungry. Why don't you send them away to get something to eat? What they were really saying was, hey, Jesus, it's time for us to have dinner. So will you send them away? And Jesus said to them, it's not in John, but I think it's in the Gospel of Matthew, he said, you give them something to eat. Send them away. No, 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 no. You give them something to eat. Jesus was asking them to do what he knew they couldn't do. Listen. God's call in your life is oftentimes for for you to do what God knows you cannot do. Why would he do that? Because he wants to show you that this all-surpassing power is in him, not in you. But because he is in you, you have that same power. Holy Spirit anointed power. That's why you can be all in. And be okay with it. Because when you go all in. You know that you're all in. With the one who owns the deck of cards. It's the belief that he is who he says he is. So. That's where they are. You just give them something to eat. And Philip answered, verse 7, he said, 200 denarii wouldn't even feed all these people. There were 5,000 men, but there were also women and children. 10,000 plus people. Philip wisely and correctly said, it would take us 200 days of working to have enough money to feed this many people. It's impossible. We're disciples. We're a bunch of preachers. We don't have any money. You know, they hadn't decided to buy Learjets at that time. This was a different day, right? So Jesus asked the question. Now, it's not again, it's not in this gospel, but it's in one of the other gospels. He said, well, what do you have? And one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Brothers, Brothers Peter said, verse nine, there's a boy who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? Isn't that just like us? Isn't that just like us? Jesus is setting us up for this miracle of God, right? He's he set the table. He's, he's making it so that you and I can see his marvelous works. And, and, and he's, like, he's like throwing us these softball pitches, right? It's, it's all we got to do is trust and obey, trust and obey. What do you have? Well, we got this little boy, and he's got five loaves and two fishes, but pff, that's not going to be enough. Really? Have you forgotten what Jesus just did? I mean, are you, have you been sleeping this whole time, right? I mean, it's almost like Jesus is going, why do I even bother? I've heard my wife say that actually multiple times. Why do I even bother, right? Here's the thing. I want to know how they got the boy to give his lunch. And, and here's what I think. I think that the boy wasn't smart enough to bring a lunch. I think he had a mom who was smart enough to pack him a lunch. That's what I think. So we can go all, we can give the credit back to mom is what we really need to do. How did this boy come across giving up his lunch? We don't know. But what I do know is he gave all. This little boy gave all, and because he did, God performed A miracle, but not just a miracle. God made himself famous to the people who were in that crowd that day. Which is exactly what he wants to do through you and me on a daily basis. You know, I love stories. I love reading stories. I love hearing stories. I've read so many stories this week about different men and women who have given all for the gospel. One of them was C.T. Studd. C.T. Studd was a cricket player. By the time he was 16, he was on the professional circuit. He was very well known. He was actually uh, uh, one who inherited a bunch of money. He inherited a fortune from his family's business. And yet he heard a preacher preaching one day about the cost of following Jesus. And God gripped his heart. He came face to face with the gospel And God said for him to give it away. So he gave up his inheritance to kingdom causes. And he gave up his fame of being a cricket player. And he offered himself to Hudson Taylor for the China Inland Mission. He gave his life because the call of the gospel was the call to be all in. And as I read countless stories of these people in the past who have been all in, I have to ask myself, am I going to have a story that was worthy of being written about? Or am I going to have a story that I was just, eh, just going to hedge my bets? i got to tell you something. The reason you and I can truly be all in in the gospel Is because the gospel is that God was all in for us. That's the why. That's what makes it real. He was all in. The Bible says that Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but who in the very nature God made himself a servant. He left the glories of heaven... He came to live on this earth and show us the Father through his life. He loved, he lived, and then he died. He was all in when they stretched his arms across this beam and pounded the spikes through the bones in his wrist. He was all in when they pressed the crown of thorns into the skull of his head and he bled He was all in when they lifted the cross up, humiliating him for all to see. That's only the death of a cruel, awful person. And yet Jesus, the sinless Lamb of God, hung there on display for all to see. And his words, Father, forgive them. He was all in. And the Bible says that he breathed his last and then he gave up his ghost. He gave his life so that you and I could have life. And yet, somehow or another, we think that that's what he died for. Somehow or another, we think that that's that's, that's not where life is. This is life. That's life. I've come that you might have life and have it most abundantly. My prayer for you is that you simply look in the mirror and ask yourself the hard question. What part of me do I still own? Now, the truth is we're living sacrifices. That means we get up and we walk off the altar constantly. Every day that I wake up, I have to choose to follow Jesus or to follow Jeff. Every time I follow Jeff, it doesn't work out good. Every time I follow Jesus, it works out good. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean it's always happy. But it means it's always what God has ordained for that day in my life. I wish I had time to tell you all of the miraculous stories that I've, got, I've had a chance to see. I wish I had a chance for you to tell me all the miraculous stories you've had to see. Because God is still the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. The God that took five loaves and two fishes and made it enough to feed 10,000 people plus having baskets left. They had to-go boxes for all the disciples. They each got their to-go box and they're like, whoo, I got lunch tomorrow. The goodness of God to do that is the goodness of God that he wants to pour out upon you this very day. So look in the mirror and ask yourself, am I all in? And what does that look like for you? Now, the truth is, most of us, we're not called to go sell everything we own and fly to another country and live as as a beggar. Most of us, that's not the call. We have to understand stewardship. Most of us. It means that we're shoveling out of God's storehouse for what he's given us. But I love the way one preacher put it. He says, I'm shoveling out what God has given me, and God's shoveling back in with a bigger shovel. You don't believe it? It's true. Why would we not believe what what Malachi says? Bring all your tithes in the storehouse. There may be meat in my house and test me now in this and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing so much. This isn't a message about tithing, but that's part of it, right? I mean, there's nothing in your life that this doesn't fit for. Your love, your gifts, your talents, your time, your skill. I'm going to close with this. What if God gave you in direct reciprocation of what you gave him? what if he chose to meet you one for one you give him he gives you what if what what if the love you give him is the love he gave you what if the time you give him is the time he gave you what if what if he was only there when he needed you didn't really care for, for any conversation or anything the rest of the time by the way he doesn't really need us what if what if he only blessed us with what we gave to him? We give him a dollar, he gives us no, we could not live that way. And yet statistically speaking again, this isn't about money, but money money's like the easiest thing. Most of us spend more on Netflix than we do on kingdom things. You know, the average person who plays the lottery, they spend $1000 a year. Have you done a thousand dollars worth of kingdom giving? I don't know. That's that's that's. All I can tell you is, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord with our time, with our talent, with our life. And I love that song. I surrender all. Not a great song. I was reading about that. And the guy who wrote it. um, It was written out of a, a desperate time in his life. I surrender all. I just wonder. Are you all in? You close your eyes and bow your head with me for just a moment. Can I ask you this question? If you were to die right now. Do you know for certain, without any doubt at all, that you would spend eternity with God? If you're unsure of that, can I just say to you that the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. That means our sin condemns us. But... The gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Bible clearly tells us that it's by grace that you have been saved through faith, not of your work. You can't be good enough to earn God's salvation. You can't work your way in. And you're not good enough to not need a salvation. You, according to the scripture, are condemned in your own sin... But God demonstrated his love for us in that even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the gospel. This morning, can I invite you, not can I, but I am inviting you to trust in Jesus Christ. The attitude of your heart is what makes the difference. Just give yourself to him. God, I know I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. God, I recognize you died on the cross. You were buried. And three days later, you rose again. I trust in the work that you've done for me. And God, I ask you to save me. Bring me into your family. If this morning that's a prayer that you prayed or need to pray, I want to invite you to do that. This morning, I want to invite you, as Brad leads this very last song, I want to invite you... To with reckless abandon. Worship the Lord. That might look like your hands outstretched. It might look like you kneeling on the ground. It might just look like you sitting still. And worshiping in your heart. Whatever it looks like. Would you simply worship. And would you give God yes. To whatever he's asking you to do. I'll be standing here in the front. If anybody needs somebody to talk to or pray with. But I just want to invite you in the next few moments. to to take the next step of what now with God. Let's stand